Welcome to the Functional Nutrition Podcast. I'm your host, Erin Holt. I'm an integrative and functional medicine nutritionist with a feisty attitude in well over a decade of clinical experience. I work with women all over the world through my online programs. And I'm also the founder of the Functional Nutrition Academy, a school in practitioner mentorship where we help other clinicians level up with functional medicine methodologies. I've got a bone to pick with diet culture and the conventional healthcare model that are both systematically failing so many of us. Creating a new model is my life's work, and this is what this show's all about. Please keep in mind this podcast is created for educational purposes only and should never be used as a replacement for medical diagnosis or treatment. If you like what you hear today, I would love for you to subscribe to the show, leave a review in iTunes, share with a friend, and keep coming back for more. Now give me the mic so I can take it away. Hello, friends. Today we have another Manifest Your Health coaching episode. So if you're new to this, this thing that we're doing, uh, essentially listeners like yourself, write in, you just submit a form on the website and label it MYH coaching or podcast coaching. And I weigh in on your health stuff, not from like an advice giving, hey, do exactly this. You know, as a disclaimer, every single episode, there's this disclaimer, this is not medical advice. This is not health advice. I don't know you personally. I don't know your health history. I don't know your labs. So it would be really irresponsible for me to just dole out random advice. So less so from a health advice giving perspective in more for a, hey, here's a new perspective. Remember that health uh, or our, our health really expands across four different bodies. We have our physical body, we have our emotional body, we have our mental body, and we have our energy body. And the way that I approach health is from all those perspectives. And so that's what these episodes are all about. If you would like some insight into what might be going on emotionally, I don't know, spiritually, metaphysically, energetically, I'm your girl. Um, Today, we're going to get into when you feel like you're doing everything for your health and you're not seeing the changes that you want to see. My intention here is to really give you a different perspective, perhaps bring your attention to things you haven't thought of before. Cause it's a really exhausting thought to be like, I'm doing everything and I'm still not getting the results I'm after. Like what the heck, what gives? Um, but maybe, maybe you just, you know, there's a, there's a new perspective that could shift something for you. Maybe there's a new way to try to approach things that you haven't tried in the past. And, um, that's why when you write in, you're kind of giving me permission for some, gentle pattern interrupts, some really gentle call outs like, hey, have you thought about this? Or hey, what about this? It's really the coaching part of what I do. Um, I love me some coaching. I've invested in quite a few of them. It's not always comfortable when you get called out. And I don't say called out in like an aggressive, mean way, but when, but I mean, that's kind of the goal of coaching is to like hold up a mirror and be like, hey, (laughs) hey, look at this. How about that? And I'm so grateful for the people in my life, friends, coaches, whomever who do that for me. So anyway, this I chose this particular um, submission 
because it has to do with blood sugar, insulin, metabolic stuff. And in celebration of the upcoming carb compatibility project, I thought it was very fitting. So for those of you who have been waiting, the CCP is officially open. This is our four-week nutrition program designed to regulate your blood sugar, get you feeling good. Blood sugar dysregulation is at the root of so many things like dysregulated energy, you know, energy ups and downs, um, not great sleep, headaches, brain fog, dysregulated mood. If we can balance out our blood sugar, it really helps to balance out other things in our body as well. So I love this program. We only open it up twice a year and today's the day. Registration is officially open. So you can sign up the functional nutritionist.com forward slash CCP. You also get a bonus. So that uh, intention setting breathwork class that I talked about last week, you get that, you get a free invite to that as a bonus. So we kick off the CCP Monday, January 9th, and this intention setting class will be Friday, January 6th. And you do not have to attend live. You will get the replay. Today, we're not going to focus on like the basics of blood sugar. I've done that a lot of times before. Um, we have on the website an entire page dedicated to blood sugar information, the functionalnutritionist.com forward slash metabolic. There it are there's good information there. Um, certain episodes are docked there. We have a three-part metabolic training series there. So if you really want to learn more about blood sugar, basics and how to regulate your blood sugar, go there. Today is going to be more of a dive into the great beyond (laughs) because our diet and food intake, diet and carbohydrate intake, diet and sugar intake can absolutely affect blood sugar. And also blood sugar regulation is more than just diet and carbs. So today's is we're going to get into the more than just diet and carbs conversation. The CCP teaches you the framework of how to eat to balance blood sugar, but there's a reason that I also incorporate mindfulness into that program. And um, you'll have to tune in to figure out why. But in preparation, I was thinking about this, in preparation for the CCP, the past two to three rounds, there was a big uptick in questions about CGMs, continuous glucose monitors. And I've done an episode on CGM. I interviewed one of the founders of NutriSense, so you can check that out if you want to learn more. Uh, Continuous glucose monitors just track your blood sugar throughout the day. It's a device that you wear. And the past, because I think they're gaining in popularity, they're just, they used to only be available by prescription and now you can um, purchase them, you know, without a prescription. So the past couple of years, they've become more available to the general population. And so I've gotten questions like, do I need a CGM to participate in the carb compatibility project? And the answer is absolutely not. Uh, You do not need a CGM to participate in the CCP, you do not need a CGM to regulate your blood sugar. 
This program that I've created is really more about figuring out how to listen to internal cues. So you can begin or continue that dialogue with your body to open up the lines of communication so you can participate in a relationship with your body. You can learn how to get feedback from your body instead of a device. And I think this is arguably the most important thing we can do from a health perspective because it puts us back in touch with ourselves. So we can get answers internally that are internally derived instead of constantly reaching outside of ourselves to seek permission about what we should be eating or how we should be taking care of ourselves. And that is not a knock or a dig against CGMs. I think they're great. I've used one. I've recommended them, but they're absolutely not required. Um, I think that they can be beneficial if you haven't yet developed that relationship with your body. If you haven't yet opened up that line of communication, then the data that you glean from this device can be really useful and eye-opening. And also it can be for some people an opportunity to become like hyper obsessive about the data. Um, you know, see the CGMs are a tool and like all tools, it really depends on the wielder of that tool. So I don't say blanket statement, everybody should use a CGM. I also don't say that they're hogwash and nobody should use them, you know, with health, with food, with nutrition, we have to be able to hold the paradox, to hold the both and be able to hold the two seemingly opposing truths at once. I guess my concern with CGMs, de- again, depending on who is wearing one, is that we can get so into the weeds of individual biomarkers that we miss the forest for the trees with our health. And I bring this up because I am wondering if perhaps this is part of our listeners' situation today. So here is the question. And like like I always do, I'm going to read parts of the submission and then I'm going to kind of pepper in my own thoughts. So hello, Erin. My name is Christine and I am currently 11 plus months postpartum. I'm struggling with blood sugar issues, pre-diabetic insulin resistance, bloating, constipation, and various hormone issues. Though I may chalk things up to being postpartum, my hormones and blood sugar problems have been a battle prior to emergence, uh, prior to pregnancy. And so my question is always, how far back? Because remember from the last Manifest Your Health coaching episode, timeline matters. And that would be a question that I would have if we were sitting down together one-on-one. How far back have they been a battle? Also, interesting use of the word battle. Um, Brief history. I have PCOS, history of gestational diabetes, history of eating disorder, chronic dieting, And another question that I would pepper in here, if you were my client and we were in the trust tree with one another, is the eating disorder behavior still present? Is there any restricting? Is there any binging? Is there any purging? Is there any combination of these things? Um, Because all of those can really destabilize blood sugar. So I would want to make sure that we're not overlooking something very basic as one of the causes of the metabolic and hormone balance. And if, you know, even, you know, the, the behavior, the eating disorder behavior isn't the root, root, root cause. We would still want to stream, 
swim upstream to get to the root of the beliefs associated with the behaviors. But that is that would be a, a clinically important piece of the pie if those behaviors are still active. She goes on to say she has major health anxiety and OCD. So I have found, and I want to, I know a lot of people listening would identify as having major health anxiety. I affectionately refer to it as health anxiety. Um, and I get it. <laughs> Trust me, I do. What I have found is that it can be extremely hard to resolve physical health issues when you have major health anxiety. As long as there's anxiety that something is wrong, you will be scanning for the wrong things. There will be some type of hypervigilance where you're actively looking for the wrong things in your body. And as long as you're scanning for the wrong things, you will find them. This has a lot to do with our reticular activating system, the RAS. This is the part of our brain that acts as a filtering mechanism for processing information and kind of dumping it into the bucket of important or unnecessary, like important or not important, super necessary, pay attention, or it doesn't really matter. And this is all based on your subconscious filters. And our subconscious filters are put in place typically speaking, ages zero through seven, although it can certainly happen after that. Uh, But it's really based on our own life experiences. And we, we have to understand how much information is being thrown at our brains any given second of any given day in modern day world. The estimate is it's like 11 million bits per second of information that the brain has to sort through. You know, just like the light coming through the window, um, the temperature of the room, the, you know, the, the sound of my own voice as I speak out loud, you know, me sitting in the chair beneath me feeling clothes on my skin. There's so many inputs. Never mind. I'm looking at two screens. Never mind. I could pick up my phone and be (laughs) inundated with a lot more information. So we just, our brain is like constantly looking at the environment, scanning, 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 getting so many inputs. And it has to really decide what's important, you know, what stays and what goes, what stays in the conscious and what, what, what doesn't. And so the brain can only take in, I've heard different things, but it's somewhere between like 50 to 150 bits per second of information. So we're getting exposed to like 10, 11 million, and we can only retain like 50 to 100, let's say. So we have to sort through a lot. And in order to do that, we delete, we distort, and we generalize most of the information that the brain is taking in. And again, that deletion, that distortion, that generalization is based on your unique set of filters. And the filters that we have in place are not things that we're conscious of or aware of. They're based, like I said, on past experiences, on our upbringing, um, on our subconscious programming. So if your filters, based on your previous experiences, are set to expect physical symptoms, you are essentially telling your brain, this is really important. Like, stay on high alert. This is a big deal. So your brain will continue to search for these things because it finds them to be important. And when it finds them, 
which it inevitably will because we all have human bodies. They are all going through different sensations day in and day out. When your brain experiences those sensations, it might register it as like, oh, this is problematic. And then when we do that, we really reinforce those very same filters, which is something is wrong with my body. Like keep paying attention, keep paying attention. Let's take a quick break so we can talk about Element. I'm so pumped to hear that you guys are digging this stuff. I knew you would. It's so freaking tasty. I did get a question about sodium. Somebody asked if I was concerned with the sodium content and the answer is not at all. In fact, that's why I sought out Element as my electrolyte drink of choice. Active athletes, especially during hot weather, can lose up to seven grams of sodium per day just through sweat alone. And in order to replete that, to replace that, we need both water and sodium so we can reestablish appropriate and proper hydration. I'm active. I like to do hot yoga. Honestly, on my hot yoga days, I actually double down on Element. I know many of you are active as well. So this is something that we really should be mindful of. Salt has been villainized. It's not the bad guy. We need salt. We need minerals. We need electrolytes. And if you want to do it in a yummy way, Element is your thing. So right now, Element is offering my listeners a free sample pack with any purchase. So that's eight packets for free with any element order. It's a great way to try the flavor, see what you like. And you can get it at drinkelement.com forward slash funk. The deal is only available through my link. You got to go to D-R-I-N-K-L-M-N-T.com forward slash funk. You also get a no questions asked refund. So try it risk-free. You're going to love it. And when I start to feel my stress and anxiety kick it up a notch, like Emerald Lagasse, I personally lean on Ned's De-Stress Blend. It's a certified organic formula that features two powerful plant compounds, CBD, and then the lesser known CBG, which is considered the mother of all cannabinoids because of how effective it is for anxiety and stress. De-Stress Blend also features ashwagandha, one of my favorite adaptogens, And I think I say that about all the adaptogens, but ashwagandha was my gateway into adaptogenic herbs. So I do have a special love for it. Invest in yourself and fortify your stress response. Get 15% off of Ned's de-stress blend with code FUNK. Go to helloned.com forward slash FUNK or enter code FUNK at checkout. That's H-E-L-L-O-N-E-D.com slash F-U-N-K to get 15% off. Thank you, Ned, for sponsoring the show and offering our listeners a natural remedy for some of life's most common health issues. So as long as that there's like, there's hypervigilant anxiety that something is wrong, you will be scanning for the wrong things, Right. Like I said, as long as you are scanning for the wrong things, you will find them. So if somebody has health anxiety and their RAS is set to look for physical sensations and label them as problems, which by the way, can be super common for folks with longstanding issues. And this is something that I had to overcome that my health anxiety was like so extreme. It was like a huge, huge, huge uh, overarching theme in my life, um, what can happen is that we might register sensations that other people would overlook, but our brains uh, tells us that they're problematic. And so I'm going to get into this in a few weeks. I'm going to talk about the neurobiology of chronic conditions. Um, I just wanted to pre-frame that here uh, because I think it's 
really relevant to today's conversation, but I will get more into the nitty gritty of this in a few weeks. And if this, if you relate to this, the body intentions breakthrough is quite literally the step-by-step process of how I got myself out of that cycle. So I would highly strongly recommend, um, purchasing that course. What I need to say is that, and I just, I, every single time I talk about this course, I want to reinforce this because the person that submitted this question actually has done this course. And my concern is that it was a set it and forget it. She did it once. She wrote an amazing testimonial, like this is life changing. And then I'm wondering if maybe we fell off the practices or maybe it was like one thing that I tried and then I moved on from it. Because this type of work really isn't like a set it and forget it. It is more of a practice. I personally couldn't heal my health anxiety by doing like one meditation. Um, It it was, it's something that I actively practice. And that has been my experience in working with clients too. That this this is a course, the reason that we give lifetime access is a course that we is designed for you to come back to it, to practice it, to listen to the modules kind of like over and over and over again. Um, so anyway, one thing that I have, has really helped me. And so those who are listening that self-identify as having major health anxiety, um, one thing that I helped to retrain the way that my brain perceived physical sensations in my body is I would ask myself, if Scott felt this, Scott is my husband, by the way, if Scott felt this, how would he feel about this? Because Scott does not have a history of weird health stuff. Scott doesn't have health anxiety. So that was a really helpful reframe for me to begin to train my brain away from this. I feel a sensation in my body, therefore something bad is happening. Um, and I'm, this is not, I'm not suggesting that we ignore our body's symptoms because symptoms come through as a message. However, if we're hypervigilant, hypersensitive to the sensations in our body, we actually kind of need to like program ourselves in the opposite direction more often than not. So that was helpful for me. Like, how would Scott feel about this? If Scott would freak out, I'm a freak out. If he wouldn't, then I'm not. And that was very, very helpful. Okay. Christine goes on to say, I have had trauma since childhood, which I've addressed with EMDR. So our words, words really matter to me. I'm sure you've heard me say this before because our words showcase our model of the world. I am very interested in specific words that people are using. So she says, I have addressed the trauma. And there is a pretty big difference between addressing something and resolving something. So I'm wondering if this word is relevant here. She goes on to say, I also had recent marital issues throughout pregnancy and postpartum, which my husband and I have addressed through counseling. So again, that word, the use of the word address. And we know the address means to speak to something. It means to acknowledge something. Something has been acknowledged. It's to think about something and begin to deal with something. However, resolve is to actually find a solution to something. I think because we are becoming more collectively trauma aware, meaning that we're beginning to understand that trauma, big T or little t, 
really impacts us and can really impact our health. It's almost like we have this check the box type mentality where it's like, oh yeah, the trauma, I'm going to do the EMDR check and we move on and we move on. But it's so important. And, you know, I'm definitely punching a little bit above my weight with this conversation and having a trauma informed therapist, um, mental health professional talk about this would be really helpful. I actually have a a few in the queue for upcoming podcasts early next year. Um, But, and so somebody could speak to this a lot better than I could, but I'm just going to use my, (laughs) do my best here. Um, If the trauma isn't resolved, it, the, the problems can perpetuate. So it's not just like a, a check the box type of thing. We really have to process and move through and resolve these issues from within. And I don't say that to discourage. In fact, just the opposite. I'm going to share this quote from Gabor Mate's latest book. Uh, Seeing trauma as an internal dynamic grants us much needed agency. If we treat trauma as an external event, something that happens to or around us, then it becomes a piece of our history we can never dislodge. If, on the other hand, trauma is what took place inside us as a result of what happened in the sense of wounding or disconnection, then healing and reconnection becomes tangible possibilities. And I love that. And I think it's, it's so beautiful. We have the ability to process this and to move on from this. Trauma isn't like a a lifelong sentence, but we, I think we need to just make sure that we're actually processing it and moving through it versus just acknowledging it versus just giving it a head nod, just saying, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That trauma, that trauma, we're actually doing the appropriate practices and working with the appropriate professionals to help move that through. So my question for Christine would be, do you feel that it's been resolved or do you feel like it's been addressed? Was that was that use of the word, does it still feel accurate after hearing all of this? If you're like, no, 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 like I should have said resolve, like I feel like I've really moved through that, wonderful. But that's just something that kind of perked my eyes up when I was reading. Okay, so... Christine goes on to say, things I have done in the past, low carb, keto, worked with a dietitian, spent thousands of dollars on various tests, GI map, Dutch, HTMA, anything a functional practitioner can order, functional MD, EMDR, breathwork, meditation, etc. I even used a CGM to monitor my blood sugar to see all my reactions to food. I am a full-time physical therapist, not sedentary. And on top of that, I still make time to strength train after work. I'm exhausted most days and I try to listen to my body. So before we go on, is there is there a conflict here? Because um, I'm going to read this again. I still make time to strength train after work, and this is after a full day of work in a not sedentary job. I'm exhausted most days. I try to listen to my body. It's kind of like one of these things is not like the other. One of these things just doesn't belong. And so the question is, are we pushing the body past its capacity at this present moment? If the answer to that is yes, if we if you get real honest with yourself and you're like, yeah, I kind of am. I'm exhausted and I try to listen to my body. I'm exhausted, but and I'm still pushing myself to strength train after a long day of work, right? If, if that's happening, just understand that symptom resolution might be hard to come by, right? It, it might be hard to come by if we're pushing 
our body past its capacity because we're asking the body to do a lot. We're asking the body to heal while we're pushing it past its capacity. That actually just might be too much, too much of an ask for the old body. Okay. Final part. I value self-care and sleep. I value my time being a new mom. I eat healthy and everyone I know tells me I'm a health nut. I just want to achieve better health so I can be present for my family and of course myself. I need help and advice on my next approach because I am not I am doing everything I can think of. My A1C is 5.7 pre-diabetic despite low carb and non-sedentary lifestyle. Where do I begin? I got to, I got a lot to unpack in that last paragraph. But the first thing that I notice here, in fact, the, I read when I first read this, the very first thing that I noticed about this entire submission is the last line. Where do I begin? Christine, you've done everything from continuous glucose tracking to functional labs to EMDR. I would argue that you're doing more than most. And again, words matter. And I always am trying to hear, it's almost like listening between the lines, like the specific words and the specific phrasing that you're using, it matters. Your words are a reflection of the way that you see the world, right? Our words give us insight into the lens in which we see the world around us. They're clues into our own beliefs. So after this long submission, it's, it's not overly long, I don't mean that as a dig, after this submission where she talks about all of these things that, I, that she's done. And then the question is, where do I begin? What I'm hearing is I'm doing everything and it's still not enough. I'm doing everything that I can possibly do. I'm doing everything in my power. I'm doing everything that I know to do and it still isn't enough. And I would ask, where else is that a pattern in your life outside of your health? Is this a pattern or is this a belief? Does this show up anywhere else? And if so, how far back does that belief go? Because if you're doing your best and your best isn't good enough, where does that leave you? You know, like what does that lead you to believe about yourself? What does that lead you to believe about the world? And so I would love to just pause for a moment because I know that I'm talking right now and this is about Christine, but a lot of us carry similar stuff. And so I would love for everybody to just pause for a minute. And if it, if it feels good, you can put your hand on your heart. I like a real firm touch. I'm not a fan of like light touch, like please, no thank you. But if like I love to put my palm like right on my sternum and like kind of press in. And if we can just feel that for a minute and say, I forgive myself for believing that my best isn't good enough. Take a big deep breath in just because I need to do that after that statement. You can let it out. You can even say, I forgive myself for judging myself for believing that my best isn't good enough. So let that one sink in for a minute. There's another thing that I picked up. Christine says, I just want to achieve better health. So there's that achievement 
piece coming into play. I want to achieve better health so I can be present for my family and of course myself. So it sounds like to me, the act of pursuing achievement, the act of pursuing better health is actually what's keeping her from being present. And I wonder what would happen if she took a break from the act of pursuing. And I'm not suggesting that she takes a break from valuing health. We can still value health and not make it our life story to be pursuing said health. I wonder what would happen if she took a break from the act of pursuing better health and instead practiced being present in each moment that she's in. And just taking a moment, even if it's that like, I'm going to pause here for a second. I see myself go into the health anxiety spiral where I'm focused on the act of pursuing. And instead, I'm going to hand to heart, just take a beat, recognize I'm doing this, and I forgive myself for believing that my best isn't good enough. Or I am present in this moment. Um, a good mantra and just a really basic one for my, my old yoga teaching days, breathe in, I know I am breathing in, breathe out, I know I am breathing out. And that just whoosh, can pull you right back to the present moment. And so when I looked at the energy of Christine, and I'm going to save this till the end of this episode, but you'll see that this comes in quite a lot, quite a lot, that there's there's something going on here about this, like act of pursuing. Okay. So before we get into that, I do want to shift gears into more of the physical body stuff. Before we get into the energy and the energetics and the energy body, let's talk about the physical body, feet on the ground. One thing I do for blood sugar support, especially around my workouts, is amino acid supplementation. I put Keon aminos in my water bottle to take to the yoga studio or the gym, and I drink it either before or after my workout, sometimes both. I also like that it enhances my recovery. I feel less sore. Leucine-enriched amino acids help to reduce soreness and aid in muscle repair, and Keon aminos contains 40% leucine plus all nine essential amino acids. So that's kind of why it's a really good fundamental support for fitness. It's backed by over 20 years of clinical research, highest quality ingredients. There's no fillers. There's no junk. It undergoes rigorous quality testing and tastes really good. Save 20% on monthly deliveries and 10% on one-time purchases. If you go to getkeon.com forward slash funk, that's G-E-T, K-I-O-N.com slash F-U-N-K to get my fundamental supplement for fitness, Keon Aminos. And let's talk about low sugar nutrition. I'm always looking for kind of quick and dirty ways to pack in extra nutrition, polyphenols, antioxidants, fibers for my gut, and even herbs for my stress response, like the more adaptogens, the better, which is why I use Organify powders every day, several times a day. I love to put them into my water. This is great if you're one of those people that struggles to just get enough hydration, get enough water. And if you feel like water's really boring, these powders can zhuzh it up for you. My kiddo loves them. She feels like she's drinking juice. My personal favorite is the red juice. So it has lots of different red powders, things like acai, 
cranberry, pomegranate, strawberry, raspberry, blueberry, all of those polyphenol-rich red and blue powders, and it's low sugar. All of Organifi's powders are under three grams of sugar per serving, and most of them offer up fiber as well to counteract any spike in blood sugar. So highly recommend. I throw them in my smoothie so I can pack in a bunch of veggies without adding a ton of fruit that might spike my blood sugar, and I can still make them sweet and palatable. Go to Organifi's website, Organifi.com. You can click the link in the show notes. Be sure to use the code FUNK. It will save you 20% off of every single order you ever place. You get a good deal and you get to support all the good things in your body too. Blood sugar, as I said, is more than just diet and carbs. Gosh, wouldn't it be so easy if it was? It's really important. I wouldn't have developed the Carb Compatibility Project if I didn't believe fundamentally that it was really important. This is why hundreds of people have gone through this program and felt way better. This stuff works. But if you're doing that and there's still wonkiness with blood sugar, with insulin signaling, we want to figure out, hmm, could other things be contributing? So Christine says my A1C is 5.7, which is pre-diabetic, despite low carb in non-sedentary life. So what I, I really want people to hear is that blood sugar, insulin signaling, hemoglobin A1C, it isn't just about carbs. I'm going to read this. This was from um, the last CCP round. The strangest thing happened. This is from a participant, by the way. The strangest thing happened, and I know it's a little woo-woo out there, but man, meditation brought my sugar down to a level I almost never reach, even when I am eating very minimal carbs. I was for the first time in a deep meditative state today when the norm for me is to just fall asleep during meditation. I checked my blood sugar on my CGM to find my level at 80 instead of my baseline of low 100s. I have seen time and time again that when I'm not stressed out and I'm present, my blood sugar is optimal. My blood sugar is optimal when I'm on vacation and eating fun foods with more carbs. Well, how could that be? How could that be? There are a lot of different systems and webs involved in insulin signaling, metabolic health, blood sugar regulation. It's not always as simple as low carb and exercise. Stress is really one of the most overlooked components of dysregulated blood sugar. So we have to, if our goal, if we are dealing with um, an elevated A1C, if we're dealing with uh, insulin resistance, if we're dealing with metabolic dysfunction, and we're not actively thinking about stress as a contributing factor, we have to start. Uh, I just a note on A1C. I don't think that this is Christine's bag, but since this is a podcast, you know, that's being published to thousands of people, this is good information to have. Hemoglobin A1C is, uh, it's a marker 
of blood glucose control over the previous three months. So I like to see fasting glucose, I like to see fasting insulin, and I like to see A1C. It's a longer term marker. And what we're measuring, it's called glycated hemoglobin. So there's these advanced glycation end products that can form on hemoglobin, and that's what is being measured. Now, the interesting thing that a lot of people don't understand is that um, HbA1c can actually give us insight into how much oxidative stress is happening. And we can see an elevated A1c because of oxidative stress, um, whether that's due to depletion of antioxidants, depletion of glutathione, um, environmental chemicals can really contribute to oxidative stress. But this is more, it's been my um, experience and, and the way that it was taught to me is that we would think more about this if glucose levels are normal, but HbA1c is high. That could be more of an oxidative stress picture and less about like diet, carbs, blood sugar. So just like a little bit of a clinical pearl to think about. Again, uh, Christine men, uh, does mention that her blood sugars are elevated, her insulin is elevated. So I'm not saying that this is her bag, but I'm I'm bringing this up to drive home the point that we can't just look at one marker. We can't just say, oh, my A1C is high, therefore I have to drop my carbs. It's just not as simple as that. Um, this is from uh, one, of, uh, one of my mentors, Datis Karazian. He says, the biggest problem that clinicians make is trying to manage dysglycemia. So dysglycemia is basically imbalanced blood sugar, high, low, or in between. Trying to manage dysglycemia with a linear model. We've taken something very complex and tried to make it straightforward and linear. We must understand the connections in webs. This is why people aren't getting results. So it's the connections in the webs thing that is, when he's talking about the linear model, it's not as simple as drop carbs, exercise more, right? And boom, there goes your, you know, your blood sugar is all taken care of. Um, the, the carb compatibility project, by the way, is designed with all of this in mind, with all of the systems and webs. We have something called the AMPK pathway. This is a signaling pathway that controls general metabolism, energy function, blood sugar control. We have sirtuins, which are a family of proteins that play a key role in blood sugar function and insulin signaling. It's basically how energy gets converted into ATP. Gut health is a massive contributor to insulin signaling and blood sugar. Um, we've got the pancreatic cells, uh, the islet cells in the pancreas produce, the beta cells produce insulin, the alpha cells release glucagon, probably getting too into the weeds for a lot of people. But then we have cells in the gut that actually control those islet cells in the pancreas. Uh, the, the cells in the gut release hormones and it helps to make efficient and appropriate response of insulin and glucagon. So that's hap that those directives, some of those directives are, are actually coming from the gut. We have short chain fatty acids, which I can, you know, never talk about enough. They're key regulators of blood sugar regulation in the gut. Um, they bind to G coupled proteins. They, uh, the good bacteria in our guts produce short chain fatty acids. So keeping those good gut bacteria healthy, happy, and fed really big deal. And that's why the food plan in the carb compatibility project is designed to like kick these things on. Sometimes low carb diets are overly restrictive of the fibers and the polyphenols that actually directly feed the beneficial bacteria that then go on to produce the short chain fatty acids. So it's important that uh, we're supporting the gut through our diet versus just saying, I have to 
use my diet to restrict carbs. You know what I'm saying? It's like, there's, there's so much more to it than just how many grams of carbs am I eating? Um, I mentioned the chronic stress response, huge, huge, huge sleep, like don't sleep on sleep. Sleep is hugely important. Um, our glucose metabolism is pretty intimately connected to circadian rhythm and our sleep. We know that sleep reduction negatively impacts hormones, um, hunger hormones, insulin. So we have to have to get sleep. So I say all of this because I'm going to talk about some supplements that can potentially be helpful. Again, if you're somebody who's like, I've tried everything for blood sugar, uh, nothing's helping. We'll, we'll talk more about this in the CCP. There, there's opportunity in the CCP for Q&A. So you get uh, me, you also get Rachel. We, we both answer questions as you navigate the four weeks, but fiber supplements can be hugely important for blood sugar regulation. Short chain fatty acids, you can actually get those as a supplement. So we're trying to support the our own innate production of short chain fatty acids by supporting the beneficial bacteria, as I said, but you can also get them as a supplement. Um, resveratrol and turmeric have modulatory effects on the impact uh, or on the, the webs and the pathways. Um, and they're both sirtuin and AMPK activators. So both of those supplements can be uh, helpful. They're not always discussed when we talk about blood sugar. So I wanted to bring them up in this conversation. However, however, you can't manage blood sugar imbalance with with just supplements. Like that's, it's not a supplement game. These can be helpful. Um, and I would ask if you're working with a practitioner or provider, you know, ask about them. These can be helpful on top of diet and lifestyle recommendations, not in place of you. It's a guaranteed failure if you're only using supplements, but those are things that you, if you haven't yet considered or haven't yet tried, you absolutely could consider and try. So now let's shift gears over into the uh, the energy read on Christine's body, her health situation. And again, when you submit your questions for these coaching calls, um, you're giving permission for me to go go rooting around in your energy field. So Christine, I always like to give a frame of reference. Um, today is December 14th that I'm recording this. I looked at your energy yesterday and today. So that's like December 13th, December 14th. I don't know why I always feel the need to say that, but I do. So the first picture that I see, it's like, uh, it's a big ladder. It's a big, 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 long ladder. And you're at the bottom of it and you're looking up and you're like, like a big exasperated sigh because you know how far you have to go. Like, you know how long the ladder is. There's no question about whether or not you're going to climb the ladder. You're just like, all right, here we go. And it's very much like Jack and the Beanstalk vibes. Remember like back in the day, I forget, I forget the one that we used to, we used to rent it. It was a VHS. We used to rent it from the local library and watch it in a VCR. Um, but it was, it was this old Jack and the Beanstalk video. Anyway, um, it's like going all the way up into the clouds. Like that's how long the ladder is. And you're going and you're going and you're going. And at the more that you climb the ladder, the taller it gets. So the big take take home message here is like, there's actually no end point. There's actually no destination. It's just like the picture is actually just climbing the ladder, not climbing the ladder in order to get somewhere. So 
the question that I asked seeing this picture is how do we help Christine get off the ladder? Because it seems exhausting. You know, like this is like a very big exhaustion picture, but Christine's doing it. She's doing it and doing it and doing it well. She's climbing it. She's going for it. But it's also almost like a picture of like, there's no other way. She doesn't see an alternative path. It's like, this is what I have to do. And so how do we help Christine get off the ladder? Because gosh, you know, I want to help her get off that ladder. It looks tiring. Um, You know, the scene in Christmas Vacation, obviously we're doing all Christmas movies all the time in my house right now, where he, where Clark goes and he puts the ladder up to to string the lights and like the ladder comes crashing down. that's not it. I got immediately got a big, like, this isn't it. It's almost like, sorry, I keep hitting my mic and it's annoying, um, for you guys, because you can hear it. I'm sure the reverb anyway, it's, but I talk with my hands and so it's hard. Sometimes I get real, I get going real fast, real hyped up and I smash my mic. Um, it's almost like I get this sense that there's a little bit like, because you get so exhausted with the climb, sometimes you kind of move into like, fuck it, like kind of like fuck it energy, right? Like I'm just not doing this anymore. And you just like stop. It's like the the ladder just comes crashing down. And I also see like weight gain with that. There's like, there was like a picture of like weight gain with that. So I don't know if that means anything to you, but that's like, that was the picture. It's like, fuck it. The ladder comes crashing down, weight gain. And that's, that isn't how to get off the ladder is the the message that I'm getting. It's too abrupt. That feels too abrupt, like too abrasive to your nervous system. It's, it's, it's almost like too much of a pendulum swing. And so the, what I'm, what I'm getting is that it's more about bringing awareness. So I see you on the ladder and you, you're like recognizing that, oh, I'm on the ladder. And then I actually see you taking deep breaths and then taking a few steps down, not all the way down to the ground, just like, oh, wait a second, I'm on the ladder again. You take a few deep breaths in and then take a few steps down. And in bringing awareness to it bit by bit, day by day, moment by moment, that actually feels a lot more productive, even though it's not super fast. Even it's not like I did one breath work and all my problems went away. It's even though it's, it's more of a process, it seems to be really productive. There's like a productivity, like a moving forward with this approach. And it, it kind of ties into what I was saying earlier of this like pursuit of health. Like this, it, this, this ladder is like, this is the pursuit of health and you're going and you're going and you're going, but you never actually get there. And so it's more about pattern interrupting yourself, bringing awareness. Like you, you're saying that the pursuit of health keeps you from being present. It's almost like flip it and reverse it. Can you get present first? Can you moment by moment say, okay, I'm like, I'm on the ladder. I recognize I'm on the ladder. Hey, I forgive myself for being on this ladder. I'm doing the best that I can. And then I also see there's something about breath. And like when I was doing this reading, I wanted to take a lot of deep breaths. As I've been recording this podcast, I want to take a lot of deep breaths. There's something about breath that feels extremely medicinal. Some type of pranayama practice looks deeply supportive for you. Something like box breathing. So box breathing is you inhale for a four count, hold for a four count, exhale for a four count, hold it out for a four count. So I'm just going to do one cycle. Everyone can do it together because you know what? Let's do three cycles together. This is where some people are going to get really annoyed and skip through. (laughs) 
That's fine. Do your thing, boy. Uh, and then this other people are going to get some real good medicine right now. So let's inhale for one, two, three, four. Hold, two, three, four. Exhale, two, three, four. Hold it out, two, three, four. Inhale, two three, four, hold it in, two, three, four, breathe it out, two, three, four, hold it out, two, three, four, last round, inhale, two, three, four, and you're holding, two, three, four, breathe it out, Two, three, four, hold it out. Two, three, four. So if you can do that, anybody listening, a few times throughout the day, just kind of as like, where am I? Am I on the ladder? Oh shit, I'm climbing again. Pause, box breathing. I also see some type of like pelvic floor diaphragmatic breathing. You're a PT. I don't need to explain that to you. You should have that unlocked, but that feels really therapeutic. And then as I'm looking at this picture, I'm like, is there anything else that she needs to know? And I got a voice. This doesn't always happen. Sometimes it does. And it just says, you're not alone. And it was very like white light, feminine energy. And there's a, there's a picture of like a forgiveness and a letting go. Um, so I don't know if, if that's, if that feminine energy is like something that if there, if that's what you have to forgive and let go, I get the sense that this is, this is, um, there, this is like something sweeping in as a helper for you. And as like a reminder that like, you actually don't have to do this alone. You're not alone. There are, whether they're concrete physical people in your life or powers that be or helpers and guides, like you're not in this by yourself. And so another uh, mantra that came up is I forgive myself for believing that I have to do it alone, that I have to do it all myself. And so there's like this, I feel like there's this like forgiveness of circumstances that led you up to that belief. And there is this opening up of guidance or uh, opening up to receive guidance. So sitting in meditation, because I'm very much so like somebody who's like, I got to do it all myself. I'm, you know, that's, it's me, it's me, it's me. And so the act of opening up to support and guidance is something that I'm continuously working on. And so one way I practice this is by in meditation, just saying, um, I'm open to support. <laughs> I would like some help, please. <laughs> it's real basic stuff, um, but that that seems to that seems to be a good starting point. Uh, I also want to bring up the A1C. So the A1C is at a five point seven, which is right on the edge of control. This is like right on the cusp of, you know, you know, your blood sugar's fine to your pre-diabetic five point seven, and that feels really stressful. Like there's no wiggle room. There's no room for error. There's no margin for error. And it's like this energy of like, I have to keep things in control or all hell will break loose. It feels very restrictive, very constricting in my body. And so a question that I have for Christine is, 
where else in your life do you feel like you're right on the edge of control? And what is your relationship to control? I, um, I looked at the energy of this and I saw just one real brief image and it was you sitting down. I don't, I don't know what you look like, but it was, you know, the energy of you sitting down and there was this lock in key, almost like a, like a music box, like with a lock, like an old timey, old fashioned lock, lock and key right in your solar plexus. And that, and you actually looked like a doll. So I was getting real childhood vibes. And I was like, oh, is this, is there any age associated with this? And I got six to seven. I don't know if that means anything. You know, I just like to share that information as it comes up. So I get the sense that something got locked up. Something got locked in there, whether it was a belief or an experience. And or there's this, this, I have to lock this away. I have to put this away. Um, and what's interesting is that the the metaphysical kind of um, underpinnings of high blood sugar, whether that's like high blood sugar, diabetes, insulin resistance, it can be stress without subsequent energy release. It's like preparing for fight or escape, but not being able to fight or escape. There can be a belief that I'm not strong enough to do this, or there can be feeling like you're forced to do something you don't actually want to do or feeling coerced into something. Insulin res- resistance can sometimes be uh, about receiving, like where the energy actually can't get into the cell, like on a physical level, but not being able to receive nourishment. So I say all of these things because I, I sometimes as I talk about some of this stuff, like light bulbs will go off. So not everything needs to land, but maybe something does. Maybe some things click into place for you. The The question that I would always ask is when do, when do these symptoms begin or when do these health issues begin? And at that time, was there anything that you were resisting against? At that time, were you doing something that you didn't want to do? Were you pressured into it? Was there a feeling of having to resist someone or something? Was there a feeling like there's an opponent that needed to be resisted? Was there a feeling of needing to fight but not being able to do it? And then, so there was a lot of energy here. I felt a lot of energy in my stomach, in my lower abdomen. Um, and so I'm wondering if that is part of the constipation picture too, because it's like this feeling of energy being locked in, not being able to move through. And I asked, like, is it time for this to come out? I got a yes. Like this energy really feels like it's ready to move. That's why it's coming up. I don't, I don't believe in coincidences. I feel like it's very, you know, m- might be very, um, very timely that you submitted this question and I happened to choose it and I'm answering this, but there's something about the timing. It's like the energy is really ready to move. And because this is the solar plexus center, I'm going to refer you to, uh, to, I know you're a podcast listener, so you've probably already listened to this one, but go back and re-listen just through a new lens. Episode 118, I talked about intuition, energy medicine, and personal power, but I really talk about the third 
chakra, the solar plexus energy center, and different ways to balance that energy energy center and move energy through it. So that that could provide some um, some helpful insight. This this energy center is all about power, autonomy, responsibility, self esteem, confidence. It's how we show up and interact with the world. It also, from a physical level, governs our metabolism. Um, and the, we can find a lot of shame locked in here. We can find a lot of uh, shame come up through this energy center. And I'm going to leave you, Christine, but also this is really good for anybody that has, you know, issues or, you know, uh, stagnant energy there. Um, we can be deficient in this energy center. We can also be have like excess energy. Uh, people like myself, <laughs> I'll just use me as an example, who are like, we have a lot of fire. We have a lot of passion. We have we tend to overfunction and overdo. And like when when there's a crisis, I'm like, I'm gonna go, I'm gonna go, I'm gonna go. Um, that's an excess. People that tend to just kind of like, this is too much. I'm overwhelming them. It's overwhelming. I'm gonna shut down. Tend to be more deficient. And we can have a kind of a mix of the both. But um, the ways to attempt to begin to tap into this energy center, um, questions that you can journal through. Journal all of the ways that you feel or have felt shame. That's a fun one. What activities leave you feeling energized? So activities in your life, what activities leave you feeling energized? What activities leave you feeling drained? Where do you need to feel more nourished and supported in your life. Specifically, how can you engage with life in ways that provide this support? Where did you or do you not feel seen? So this can be previous stuff. This can be current time. This could be, you know, that six or seven-year-old self, or this could be current time. Where did you or do you feel diminished? Where in your life has your power gone unrecognized? Where do you diminish your own power? Where have you felt helpless? Where have you felt abandoned? So I get the sense that running through these questions, spending time with these questions, either journaling yourself or you know journaling them and then bringing them to a therapist. If you're still working with your EMDR therapist, talking through this with a professional can be could, can be really cathartic and can begin to unlock that that locked you know that lockbox that's sitting right at the solar plexus center. And I say I bring in the therapist piece because we never want to like crack ourselves open and uncover uncover real significant trauma without the appropriate support in place. So that's something to just keep in mind. Um, so I'm hoping that that you know we did spend a little bit of time talking about blood sugar regulation from a body physical body perspective, but I really just get the sense that we are at the point with Christine where it's more than the physical body, where we, she's done enough. You know, it's not about working harder, continuing to climb that ladder. It's more about bringing awareness to the fact that she is climbing that ladder and to see if we can open up to trying some new things. It's not work more. It's not add more things to your to-do list. It's to just slight pivot, you know, a little pivot on the heels and say, huh, I haven't really explored this. Get curious about, about that. Um, 
So that, those would be my, that's what came up for me after reading through Christine's thing. Again, with the carb compatibility project, we, we do tend to focus more on the physical body in the food specifics. Um, but there are also mindfulness practices because, hey, this stuff is important. And then, of course, like I said, we have both Rachel and myself answering your questions. It's a nice balance between the two. Rachel loves a good physical body question, like grams of carbs. And I love a good metaphysical question. <laughs> What's the meaning of life? So you get it. You, we're hitting you from both angles. Anyway, would love to see you all there. Um, you can sign up uh, today and we get started in January. So um, as always, I hope this podcast did something helpful for you. Don't uh, hesitate to share with a friend and keep coming back for more. Check you next week. Thanks for joining me for this episode of the Functional Nutrition Podcast. If you got something from today's show, don't forget to subscribe, leave a review, share with a friend, and keep coming back for more. Take care of you.